Hello, adventurers, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of the World of Azuria podcast. My name is Beth Ball, and I'm the author of the Age of Azuria epic fantasy series, which we'll be exploring in this show. In some episodes, we'll be swept away into the magical world of Azuria as I read chapters from the novels and stories. In others, we'll dive into the lore behind Azuria, and I'll answer your questions about the world, characters, and more. If you enjoy epic fantasy worlds, immersive settings, nature-based magic, and vivid characters, then this podcast is for you. In our second season, we're traveling through Buried Heroes, book one in the Age of Azuria series. Today, I'll be reading from chapter five, where we pick back up with the Yelioth as she lets go of the rope dangling inside this frozen chamber deep in the mountains. To find out what happens before new episodes are released every Tuesday, you can find Buried Heroes at bethballbooks.com shop or at your favorite book retailer. And I'm excited to say that the novel is now available for free, so find it wherever you like to get your ebooks or again at bethballbooks.com shop. Let's start our adventure. Eliath executed the rolling landing she'd seen others perform nearly perfectly, thwarted at the last moment by an unseen, fist-sized rock that pressed into her right shin when she spun over it. A short gasp of pain escaped her, but she cut herself before she crashed into the stone floor. Her eyes cast around, following her own echoes. If there was anything unsavory nearby, it was surely aware of her presence now. She carefully slid over to a place against the wall where the stone jutted out and created a sliver of shadow. Eliath hid in the narrow column of darkness, sheltered by the fallen column to her left. The stairway that led out on the floor above would have to lie in the opposite direction. Katerina, while they got ready for a particularly important gala, had explained that an affected air of confidence might inspire the actual feeling. She wanted to see Eliath enjoy herself instead of floating by the exits. Stepping away from the wall and continuing down the passage, Eliath hoped that she would have an easier time applying this lesson in an abandoned cavern than she had in a ballroom. The top of her boot glinted gold as it caught the light from above. There couldn't be any harm in having Theodric stagger out at the ready as she walked. The blade whispered as she unsheathed it from the covering Scad had made her. She could almost hear their voices. Be careful, as she tiptoed ahead. Eliath jumped at each of the hallway's long shadows in turn. The patterns of darkness increased the chance of something catching her unawares. The light filtering off the fallen column faded behind her, and she stepped into the shroud of the dimly lit hallway, beyond the boundaries of the column's plummeting destruction. Her boots clicked, heel, toe, heel, and her breath rattled in her ears. Then, ice grated against a hard surface. Confused, she stopped and turned in the direction of the sound. A being made of jagged ice, with the suggestion of a head, torso, arms, and legs, rushed toward her out of the darkness. Eliath leapt out of the way and extended her dagger behind her. Her shoulder wrenched to the side as she cut the creature's midsection. Its strange glassy eyes scowled at her with cold fury from only a few feet away. It emitted a terrible screech from a slit that opened sideways above its crooked jaw. The creature rushed forward again, icy claws extended. Yelith stumbled backward and threw her arm up to defend her side as it attempted to pierce her internal organs. The bladed fingers stabbed the muscles of her forearm instead. Instinct took over as she fought for her life for the first time. She screamed as it gnashed at her in its fury and plunged the dagger deep into its chest. Her blood pooled over its hands and the ice began to melt. Yelith pulled her arm free, desperate to get away from the creature, and yanked the dagger from its chest. 
The icy being wavered on its feet and collapsed to the ground. Her breath was rapid, almost hyperventilating. Survival instincts urged her to make sure the being was truly dead, but the horror of its shrinking, sharp hand embedded into her arm made her recoil. Before she could decide, the elemental being made the choice for her. Its icy body shook on the floor and exploded, spewing sharp shards in all directions. Yelia threw her arms over her face and ducked to avoid the flying blades of ice. One sliced through the right shoulder of her leather jacket, but the freezing wound barely registered over the throbbing of her punctured arm. Heaving, her mind a roiling storm of panic, Elioth backed into the sullenness of the cold stone wall, and her knees slowly slid beneath her. Shaking, she struggled to withdraw a spare tunic from her bag. She would have to stop the blood if she wanted to stay conscious. Dark stars danced at the edges of her vision, and her stomach lurched when she looked at her sodden arm, an ominous red in the shadowy environs. She rolled the tunic with her uninjured arm and dabbed at the cuts. The slivers of blackness covered her eyes completely, and her head drifted sideways. The sharp spring of her neck returned her to her senses. Best not to do anything besides cover it and stop the bleeding. She wrapped the tunic around her arm and pulled the knot tight with her teeth. Surely there would be somewhere to rest at the end of the hallway, or another chamber, but she couldn't stay out here in the open where more ice creatures might be waiting for her. The passage came to an end ahead of her at a stone door carved to resemble a face. When she was nearly within arm's reach, looking for a handle that didn't seem to exist, the skull-sized eyes above her opened. She jumped back, sure she had triggered a deadly trap. The eyes focused on her, and the mouth twisted into a smile. Hello! The door proclaimed, making no effort to keep its voice low. Elioth retreated further. Hello, door. What are you doing here? Well, I was hoping I might be able to get through. It was possible that the ice monster had poisoned her and was now causing her to hallucinate. But seeing as she was already talking to an enchanted door, there didn't seem to be any need for subterfuge. Ah, yes, the door sighed and looked up to the ceiling before it fixed its gaze back on her. That is often the desire of those approaching doors, isn't it? I suppose. Elioth wasn't sure if it was trying to ask her a riddle or not. As she glanced about, she saw, inscribed above the door in an antiquated but legible form of Elvish, Open says me. I hope it's obvious that I would let you inside if I could. That's quite kind of you. I am very nice, I've been told before. It is always encouraging to hear ourselves praised. I don't know if they meant it as a compliment or not, the door said. They were not thrilled to leave me down here to guard the great evil. Great evil? Yes, of course. I have never seen it. Do you have eyes in the back of your head? Her years of noblewoman training should have better equipped her to guide the conversation back in a helpful direction. No, I'm afraid I don't. Neither do I. The door smiled at this commonality between the two of them. You said that you were placed here to stand guard? Who put you down here? Why, the victors did, of the great battle. They left me here some time ago. Have you been lonely? I am not sure. Oh, well then, that's probably a good sign at least. Is that what the frescoes are on the upper floor? The Great War, yes. They were very happy with the outcome. Were they evil? The dark forces depicted above were a stark reversal from most of the illustrations she'd seen in novels and fae tales. They said that what is behind me is evil, but they did scowl a lot. And they never told you how you might open? 
At her last word, the door's eyes grew wide and its face split down the middle. The round shape of its mouth bifurcated as Yelith voiced its password. The expression lasted only a moment before the two sides flew into the smooth walls of the underground hallway. On the other side, Yelith couldn't see anything but shadows and curved stone walls. She walked over the magical door's threshold, afraid it might slide shut and trap her in the darkness. This space was warmer than the hall had been, the cold unable to penetrate beyond the enchanted door. The hallway, hung with unlit torches, narrowed into a short set of stairs that descended into a circular chamber shrouded in darkness. Elioth removed a torch and took a match from her pack to light it. As she did, lectures she'd overheard from Basha echoed through her memory. Keep your head up. Listen for movement. Trust your instincts. Before, these instructions appeared to be advice for combat with people. Surely Linolin's soldiers weren't encountering ice creatures or infiltrating chambers guarded by talking doors. She stepped under the first stair, and the torch sputtered. A low wind whistled out of the chamber and pushed against her, holding her back. The darkness clutched at her heart. It hurt to stand still, let alone move forward. There was a tangible force at work against her. It didn't want her to proceed. Yelith steeled herself and leaned forward, the torch at her side. After the first few difficult inches, the force began to abate. She stepped down, her footfall a dull thud. The wind slowed. She stepped again and gritted her teeth. Her hair fell back against her neck. At the bottom stair, stillness returned, and the torchlight flared to full blazing strength. What appeared at first as a shiny, frozen expanse on the far side of the room took shape as she proceeded in, the echoes of her boots lost in the vastness of the hidden chamber. As though a folktale stretched off the page and took on flesh, the figure of an ice giant, frozen against time, emerged from the chamber's far wall. Elioth hurried forward, amazed at the craftsmanship and scale of the massive form. The underground chamber was the size of the three Grand Hadvarian ballrooms put together. There, on the far side beneath the shadowy archway, stood the base of the stairs she had seen on her way in. That part of the room could wait until after she investigated the statue. A flash of red distracted her from the sparkling iciness of the giant's body. From a distance, she had mistaken it for discarded rubble, but as she approached, a second, much smaller figure appeared from the murkiness of her surroundings. The warm, bright red of the humanoid statue provided a striking contrast against the imposing creature behind. The smaller figure arched away from the giant, its shield raised to stave off the massive, outstretched hand that threatened to crush the defiant being. The smaller statue, though identical in level of detail, almost lifelike, was only half-carved. At the bottom, the red crystal was rocky and rough, the lower half of the figure hidden, locked away in the artist's imagination. But the top half was fully finished, the hard red crystal contoured to reveal a strikingly handsome countenance. The figure's rounded ears and strong jawline attested that he was human, but what made him seem almost alive was the intensity of his gaze. The piercing eyes were accompanied by an aquiline nose, and full lips pulled down ever so slightly at the corners. The upraised shield lent a powerful resolve, the focus all the more impressive for the twinge of pain behind his eyes and strain in the tightened ligaments of his neck. His broad shoulders and chest pivoted away from the giant, and the flickering of her torchlight made it seem as though he also struggled against the bonds that held him below. Enraptured, she moved closer, and the glimmer from her torch began to mirror light back to her from runes carved into the floor. They surrounded the man, like a personal transmigration circle. As she drew nearer, motes of firelight from her torch broke free. They glided over and embedded themselves into the runes. Stroke by stroke, 
The script surrounding the statue glowed. New rune Shianton perceived alighted and crawled toward him, illuminating winding paths from the circle to the base of the statue. The fire they absorbed continued to burn and move inside them, and their dancing light appeared to breathe in and out of the sculpted warrior as, one by one, the rune shone against his skin, branding the statue and intersecting glistening patterns of text from his feet all the way up to his neck. The glyphs grew brighter as the circle filled in. Elioth stepped over the rune's border, careful to avoid placing her foot on one of the flaming symbols, her torch all but extinguished. The statue absorbed the light and began to shine from within as she drew nearer. She closed the distance between herself and it and watched as the final spark from her torch plunged into the last rune. Elioth reached out to feel the smooth crystal skin warm beneath her touch. She gazed, mesmerized, into the dancing glow of his eyes, pools of pale blue topaz that strove against their ruby surroundings. In that moment, the runes on the floor flashed, their reflections on the statue blazing brighter before they extinguished. The burning imprint sank deeper into the crystal figure, swirling toward his inner light. The two sets of fire collided and, with a second flash, plunged the cavern into total darkness. The sound of ice cracking and a rumble across the floor muted Elioth's gasp. A large chunk of rock fell against her thigh, and she nearly fell over a heap of rock on the previously bare floor as she lurched away in the blackness. More stones crumbled around the statue, and she pawed through her bag for a match. Rocks and ice shifted with the whisper of sharp metal gliding against another surface. A line of flame erupted from a longsword wreathed in fire. Elia threw up her arms to protect herself and shield her eyes from the light, but she froze. A human man held the sword back away from her and reached out with his shield-bearing arm. His dark eyebrows knit together in worry, and light danced off the early spring blue of his eyes, accentuated further by his olive complexion. He blinked, confused, and stretched further to take hold of her hand. Elioth fumbled for words as she tried to understand the muscular, bare-chested man standing across from her. The runes she'd seen embed themselves in the statue shone out beneath the covering of his skin, raised marks that glowed like pale white scars. Who, who are you? He blinked slowly again, somehow surprised by her voice. Marcon. Marcon Calabra, lady. And who are you? His voice was low, gravelly, and earnest. It resonated in the center of her being. My name is Elioth Amastasia. She let him take her hand and pull her up. How is this possible? You were a statue a moment ago. Marcone stared back at her. A muscle in his jaw clenched when he released her hand. His eyes flashed down to the blood-soaked cloth wrapped around her arm. You're hurt. How many of them stayed? Did you see the... He turned over his shoulder to the towering figure above. It looked brighter than it had a few moments before. Run. Marcone's command snapped Elioth's instincts back into control. He held his shield up between her and the waking giant. Run! The other archway was closer than the short stairway where she'd entered the chamber. Her boots slid on the debris scattered across the stone floor, but she retained her balance and sprinted for the full flight of stairs. A deafening crack echoed through the cavern as the ice giant roared to life. It reared back and his eyes flared open. Its hand darted forward, coiling reflexively around where Marcone's statue form had been. She could hear Marcone's pounding footsteps behind her, but they slowed as the creature bellowed. Elioth glanced over her shoulder where the stalwart figure of the awakened warrior squared off against the hulking, tower-sized body of the giant that was dragging a great club in its wake. 
She turned away with a shuddering breath. After they were away from the monster, she could thank him for risking his life for her. The floor beneath her feet shook with each of the giant steps, and she heard Marcone's yell of defiance, meant to distract it from her escape. She heard the sound of a massive chunk of ice sliding across the cavern, a hiss of doom. The base of the stairs ahead beckoned. They curved, a beautiful marble that matched the floor above. The stairs spiraled up out of the chamber, though she would have to navigate several turns before she reached the floor above. The skid of ice whistled faster against the stone, and the creature roared at its captive. A stomach-churning moment of silence flew past Elioth as she reached the bottom of the stairs, and then a sickening crunch rang out as the club smashed into the ground. The firelight behind her was suddenly extinguished, but the snowy light from the chamber above guided her up the stairs' winding circles. Earthquake footsteps resumed, and Elioth slipped and hit her knee as she tried to take the stairs two at a time. The creature was too tall to use this way up. Perhaps she could make it. Elioth emerged into the frescoed antechamber, opposite the side she had been on before. The hole in the ceiling from the column was the only escape on this side. Halfway there, the ice giant's fist exploded through the floor beneath her and sent her tumbling toward the wall. The flying pieces of marble collided with the pillar's remains, and Elioth scrambled up the pile, away from the new hole in the floor. The giant roared in frustration, its cold white eyes glaring at her as she clambered toward the shattered ceiling. Sensing no other option, Elioth leapt forward and clung to the top of the broken wall. With all her might, she pulled herself up and out of the chamber into the snowstorm raging outside. She was on a different part of the mountain than where she'd arrived. The snow was several feet deep, and she struggled but failed to climb up the heavy banks. Each slow step took the effort of ten. Another great crash resounded from lower down the icy bank as the giant erupted from the mountainside prison. It cast its eyes around and found her, a helpless creature caught in a predator's trap. Elioth froze as it barreled toward her. With a sob, she clutched her amulet and held it out toward the giant. It was supposed to protect her, but had sent her here instead. She would never be able to tell her father what having this small connection to him had meant to her. As if in answer to her heart's anguish, Marcone appeared from out of thin air in the snow ahead, between Elioth and the giant. He stared back at her in amazement, but Elioth couldn't take her eyes away from the rapidly approaching form. Marcone followed her gaze, let out a cry, and once again raised his shield to stand between her and it. The creature shouted when it noticed Marcone's return. It reared back, drew its club overhead, and brought it down over the two tiny figures. The giant misjudged its reach, however, and embedded its club in a sheaf of ice in front of Marcone instead of crushing its targets. The force of the impact disrupted the mountainside and sent Marcone and Elioth flying backwards. The mass of snow and ice tossed Elioth into the air and slid her across the frozen ground. Faint from blood loss and the cold, Elioth could make sense of little else in the environment beyond a great rumble of ice. Black spots obscured the edges of her vision, and the mountain embankment slid away ahead of her, coating everything in its path in misty white. Her amulet released a brief pulse of heat before the darkness overwhelmed her. Thank you so much for joining me for today's adventure through Buried Heroes in the World of Azuria. If you'd like to find out more about me or my fiction, you can find me at bethballbooks.com. You can also find my books worldwide at your favorite bookstore, or ask your local librarian to add them to the library catalog. To stay up to date with the world of Azuria and be the first to know about upcoming fiction projects, visit bethballbooks.com join. I would love for you to be a part of my reading community, The Story Enclave, and as a special thanks to you for a limited time, you'll receive a free ebook copy of Aurora when you sign up. 
If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at BethBallAuthor or on Twitter at GroveGuardian. Or you can email me, Beth at BethBallBooks.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Story Magic, the newest book in the Age of Azuria series. Story Magic recounts the lore of Azuria, interwoven with the story of one of my favorite characters, Persephone Arell, who we'll meet later in the novel. You can pre-order Story Magic at BethBallBooks.com shop or at your favorite bookseller before release on June 1st. If you enjoyed our time together today and would like to hear more stories set in Azuria, you can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash groveguardianpress. Look for the Fae and Damon Tears. We return to Buried Heroes on Tuesday, May 24th for Chapter 6. The theme song for this podcast was created by Garrett Rose of The Bardic Inspiration, who you can find on Instagram or Patreon at The Bardic Inspiration. Happy travels, and I hope that we'll be adventuring together again soon. <laughs>